0: Did you get a handout? We're going to look at a couple of Christmas carols today. Um, Angels from the Realm of Glory. That was a good um, start to the Christmas season. That's what we sang today, didn't we? Yes, okay. All right. I didn't get a sheet. <laughs> but I, I had one from last year. And... Um, I want to encourage you, um, whatever your normal um, habit is for your time alone with the Lord, I started many, many years ago. I'm sure probably the majority of you here do this, but but it's always been such a blessing to me. I want to encourage you in it. It's a really good time to set what you normally do aside, unless you can give the extra time. And... um, and, and do readings and study the Advent, the coming, the coming of the Lord. We, we prepare our hearts for the, for the coming of the Lord. And, um, and so one of the things I've done today in the handout, the first two, um, I, I gave the credit so there's not a copyright violation, and, and it's, it's just one little part of two Advent series, one that is very quick. It's, it's quick and you could read it, um, you can get it into your email feed and you could read it if you're a quick reader in three minutes, okay? Now, if you wanted to think about it and study it out, it would take longer, but it's a it's a three minute deal. Uh, the other one is, is is a little bit more exhaustive, it's a little bit deeper, you gotta th- you got to think a little more, but they're, bo- they're both a blessing, I started years ago buying books ahead of time or... Ordering Advent readings ahead of time, that I might immerse myself in the, um, you know, the stories of Isaiah and the coming Messiah and uh, the um, the suddenness of Matthew and Luke. And uh, I, I titled um, this this lesson, which will. Likely go over until at least next week. Lights, angels, and action. Now when I say lights, angels, and action, maybe your mind wants to stick a different word where angels is. That's intentional. Lights, lights, camera, action. Yeah, so uh, anyhow, I'm nuts that way, but that just came to me. So I pulled out camera and I put action because, wow, that is the Christmas story. And um, think about it. God spoke to man through the uh, through the prophets and the prophecies, through the prophets and the prophecies, um, down through the ages, and then all of a sudden the heavens went silent, and God doesn't speak for over 400 years. Uh, you know, there's some argument as to how many, but but, but probably 430 years. Nobody has heard from God. Well, if nobody's heard from God, are God's promises still true? Uh, you know, you can imagine the people and they're, and they're waiting. When is the Messiah going to come? And then suddenly, bursting on the scene, and in, in something that nobody would expect, we hear from God. But how do we hear from God? Do we hear from God through the prophets? Do we hear from God through uh, Moses or Abraham? Well, of course, in the text, but I'm talking about how did they hear from God after a 400-year silence? Who did God send as the channels of his word? Angels. Angels came and spoke. Now, that's shocking. That's surprising. Angels weren't new, but but to communicate in the way they did here um, is, is quite amazing. And We sing those songs about it, don't we? Um, And so wherever you you see the angels, there's uh, action, and um, and there's light. Christmas is about light. Um, If you think about Christmas, the people sat in darkness. We were all in darkness. We're lost and dead in trespasses and sin, and if God doesn't rescue man, we're hopeless and we're helpless. In this present time and for all times. But God sends his son. His son is light. The light shined into the darkness. And, and he declared in John that he was the light. One of the seven signs that John uses as he unfolds the person of the son of God in the, in the gospel of John. And then he declares to us, that were to be lights that shine in the world. That, that responsibility is handed off to us. So send I you, and we get to be the light. And so Christmas really is all about light, light of the sun, not S-U-N, S-O-N, that, that comes as God reveals himself to man. I mean, how exciting and, and exhilarating is that? Don't let that story be just some old tradition. It's not tradition, it's the living word of God that should energize our, heart, our hearts afresh and anew. I have in your, your handout there in Luke 2, 13 and 14, and suddenly, I mean, that's key, it's suddenly. This isn't the only place that it was sudden, but suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom God is pleased. After 400 years of silence, an angel comes and he speaks to Zachariah. And Zachariah was scared to death. And if you and I traded places with him, we would be too. And, and then an angel comes and speaks to Mary and says things to Mary that seem to be impossible. But the angels assure her what's impossible with man is possible with God. And an angel reveals to her that she will mother God's own son. Well, how can this be? And uh, it it opens up the questions that she asks are not questions of uh, rebellion, as in Zechariah's case, but questions of just. I'm willing, but how? I mean, how, how, does, how does this happen? And, and we want to look at that because the angel is the one that's explaining uh, all of these things. And then, of course, the complication with Joseph because while the angel talked to um, Mary, Joseph doesn't know what's going on. And then the angel communicates to Joseph in a dream. And then the angel goes to exactly... Who we would expect, right? The lowliest people at the lowliest job, known on the face of the earth at that time, to shepherds. And the angels declare and announce to shepherds. And then we see that there's astrologers from the east, and and they come, and there is a, a star guiding them, light again, a starlight, a special star, and, uh, and 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 they rejoice and. And the angel talks to them, too. Go home a different way. Um, so we have these um, mysterious, if you will, angelic declarations and directions that are, that are be given by the angels. And uh, I, I find it very fascinating, so I want us to look at it a little bit. The Christmas narratives are full of light angels, stunning announcements, unexpected guests with gifts, promises fulfilled, the forthcoming and best of all, Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Wow, we should get excited about Christmas and lift our voices in songs of loudest praise. And so Claude picks out music, especially at Christmas time. Lori's over there, her along with Clay labored over who knows how many cantatas. It's hard to find solid. Um, cantatas good music that also the lyrics are biblical it's okay if something's extra biblical as long as the extra biblical isn't unbiblical do you understand the difference so uh, sure to make things rhyme to make sure that they make a poem to make a psalm sometimes you add something but if you add something that's unbiblical or completely the contrary to the to the scripture then uh, you know we're not going to use that that music in, in our in our church, and we we should be careful for it because nothing should be exalted above His Word, right? And so that might sound easy, Lori. Is it easy? I mean, it's it's amazing, it's amazing how many how much you could listen out there, and um, you, you if, Satan always packages his. His poison arrows, in um, in disguise. It's, it's disguise. You you have to be discerning. You have to see it. You have to find it. It's it's there. Um, he doesn't come with a red suit and the pitchfork. He he disguises himself. The Bible tells us as what? An angel. As light, an angel of light, because we know there's fallen angels too, right? And so uh, there's a there's a care there. And so I love the songs of, of Christmas. Um, I don't have a good voice unless I'm standing next to somebody that can sort of lead me. And I think Christmas carols are the most wonderful um, songs to sing. But I also think they're some of the hardest. Wow! Anybody else have a hard time singing the Christmas carols? You know, as, as far as staying on tune. And when we go out Christmas caroling with people, we got to have the right. We got to have the right mix because if you got me leading the Christmas carol. You know, it's supposed to be joyful, joyful. We adore you, and the next thing you know, everybody's crying. Um, so you gotta, you got to have somebody that can carry the tune, and that isn't me. But um, Christmas carols. What's your favorite Christmas carol and why? Let's think about the, the themes of Christmas, the Christmas narratives. We'll, we'll read them over the next three weeks, but you know them all. You're very familiar with them. What are some of your Christmas carols that come from those? Kathy? Mary, did you know? Yeah. How many people like Mary, did you know? That's, that's a, uh, a, a unique um, take that um, would be, I guess you would say, a modern Christmas carol comparedly um, speaking, and I think we probably all like that, did you know that when you kiss the cheek, you kiss the cheek of God? Um, that is an amazing line. Lori? Great. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Somebody else. What's your favorite Christmas carol line? Joseph? It should move you. It should move all of us. One of the given purposes of music is that it teaches us doctrine. And it's, it should be beautifully arranged so that it can be sung in a church. But in singing it, we learn. We learn doctrine. Doctrine is reinforced. There's a world out there that doesn't believe that Jesus is God, they've come to the point where they can't disprove him. The tomb is still empty. That drives them crazy. Uh, It is is an impossibility to prove that Jesus didn't exist. So a long time ago, they stopped trying to prove that he doesn't exist. Now they just say, but he wasn't God. And uh, so many of the Christmas carols are really good at that doctrine of the virgin birth. God was in the manger. And so, excellent. Somebody else. What's your favorite Christmas carol? Mary? I enjoy the favorites, but I also enjoy learning some of the more obscure carols. And a couple years ago, my grandson sang at his Christmas concert, one called Long Ago Prophets Knew." It's very interesting. Long Ago Long Ago Prophets Knew. I don't think I've heard that one, or I don't recognize it. Okay, that's interesting. Well, one of the things I'm going to show you, I think we'll get there, is that we're going to look a little bit at the history of Hark the Herald Angels. Eat, And there's, it, it's fascinating if you look at some of the hymn history. There's actually two lost verses that, that they're almost never even sung anymore. We're, going to, we're just going to look at them briefly by the time we get at, at, at the end of the day. Gloria? Thou didst leave thy throne. Thou didst leave thy throne. And thy kingly crown. And thy kingly crown. The condensation. No, condescension. Condescension is nice. different than condensation, it. isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> they both start with condon, though. I got that part, right? Yes, beautiful. Beautiful. Yes, oh, Linda, right? Night. Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night. That's my favorite as well. Oh, Holy Night. Yes, I, I almost can't hear that song um, without crying. Um, my favorite three songs would be Oh, Holy Night, Silent Night, because that takes me back um, so much to my childhood memories. Um, I, I, even when I didn't go to church... Um, you know, throughout the year, we definitely were faithful. Holly, Willie, really, you know, Christmas and Easter people, and so you'd always go. And every special Christmas service, you would always end with singing "Silent Night." So "Silent Night" is just attached. Besides the words being beautiful, it's just attached to a lot of memories. Music does that, doesn't it? it you, you attach music with with memories and then my third favorite would be Old oh, Little Town of Bethlehem and that's because the Lord has allowed Judy and I to be in Bethlehem twice to see the shepherd's fields to, um, to consider what it must have been like that day and um, that night and uh, it just has this Little Town of Bethlehem has beautiful words that, uh, that unfold the, the story and um, I have a, bought one of those uh, plaques uh, you, you know, probably costs three ninety five to put it together, and you can buy it at a store for twenty nine ninety five. One of those deals, you know. And I, I'll have that on on the wall at Christmas time in my office or someplace else. I, I love that that particular song. Um, takes me back to us being um, in Bethlehem. I actually always wanted to go to Bethlehem on Christmas Eve, um, but there's lots of complications in doing that. One, you have to be away from your family, and I hate being away from your family. And number two, um, Bethlehem is not in um, the occupation of Israel. Uh, of Israel Israel's pretty safe, believe it or not, um, because they've got AK-47s on every corner and people that know how to use them, and they don't play games in Israel. And so it's, it's amazing how safe it is there, honestly, comparatively speaking but um, not so in Israel. Israel is, is, is excuse me, um, Bethlehem is occupied by the Palestinians. I probably shouldn't use that word because that's actually a made up word. But um, anyhow, and so you have to get permission to go in. They take you in on a bus. Uh, it's a pretty, it's, it's, it's just a, a different experience and it's a different feel when you're over there. And uh, so anyhow, that's all extra. Anybody else, you want to tell me your favorite Christmas story? The Christmas song. Let me ask the obvious. Are there Christmas carols um, that aren't biblical? Wait a minute, you're pointing to somebody. Who raised the hand over here and I missed it? Yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I think that... um, Someone told me once, or I read someplace—is this correct? "Joy to the World" was um, actually, um, when it was written, was written. Um, it's very appropriate. We sing it at Christmas time, but it was actually um, written with the idea of the Lord's second coming. Is that correct? Did somebody tell me that? Yeah. So, um, but a, a glorious song that I enjoy um, singing. The first time I heard that it was for—that it was actually written, written. The composer who wrote it was writing it thinking of the Lord's second coming and um, when we have all the prophecies fulfilled of the Lord's first coming and it seems like there's silence in heaven just think back to the 430 years when there was silence and then suddenly suddenly and that's a description of the next event on God's calendar it'll be suddenly it'll be quicker than the twinkle of an eye and there'll be the sound of a trumpet. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which will remain will be caught up in the air together to be forever with the Lord. Won't that be an awesome day? Matter of fact, I like Christmas shopping so much that could happen right now, and I think it'd be great. <laughs> I wouldn't have to do any Christmas shopping. Nice. That's not the reason I want to go to heaven. That was a joke, okay? <laughs> How about christmas carols that are not biblical maybe not sinful but not biblical wrong can you come up with at least one Me? yeah i think i heard the bells on christmas day i heard the bells on christmas day i don't i'm not familiar with the words without looking at them So, the peace come because of the bells. You help hear the bells ringing. Open up your heart and hear them peace. Okay, so it's one of those feel-good songs as opposed to something that's got some doctrinal um, meat to it. Okay, all right, I'm gonna fill you. I, that's not the one I was thinking of. It a huge one. Lori? Yeah, that one's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. That's not. That, that's not biblical either. No, no. Lisa. Yes, we three kings of Orient are. Not. Turn the sheet over. You're, the second page. Um, that's the devotional. That's a little bit heavier. Uh, the first one I showed you, I put it on the top. It's a, it's from the C.S. Lewis Institute. It's a, it's a uh, Advent devotional. You can just go online and get that, and they'll send it right to your email, and it's quick. What's neat about this devotional, I know I just had you flip the page, and now I'm telling you about the one that was on the page before you flipped it, but um, like the one I put here, I printed out. That's the whole devotional. So I gave you the whole devotional right there, and the only thing that's missing is that when it's sent to your um, email is that it's also sent with a, um, um, I guess it's probably a YouTube or whatever it is, but that song um, back in more original um, music. And so you can hit the thing, you can listen to the song, it has the lyrics there, then it tells you a little bit about the song and gives you some scripture as from where the song came to and it gives you a prayer. And then this second one that is... A little bit bigger is uh, a devotional written by David Mathis, and it's called A Daily Devotional for Advent. You can go to, I got it on Amazon Kindle. I'm a Kindle guy, so you can you can buy stuff cheap on Kindle. You can carry it around. I can look it up on my phone or my iPad or you know wherever I, I want to. And um, I don't even have that whole devotional on here. I couldn't put it all. I couldn't burn that much paper, so I took and pulled a bunch of stuff up and tried to leave it there so it would make sense to you but that is an excellent one, and that's dealing with the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So now going back um, to that first page and um, Christmas carols, yeah, you'll note that so many of the carols and so many of the um, opening words of the narratives uh, deal with fear. And let's just look at one of them. Open your Bibles, if you would, at Luke chapter 1, we'll read this narrative this morning, I'm going to pick up in verse 11, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zacharias, standing at the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. And so is going to go in there. He's going to make atonement for the people. Um, you know, I don't know how you approach the Lord's Supper. I've talked to people before that were almost afraid to approach the Lord's Supper because of how clear it is written in 1 Corinthians um. Ten, I think it is, could be 11 10 11 that we're to examine our hearts, and we're not to take the Lord's Supper frivolously, and that um, there there are people who do take it frivolously. That's what the Corinthians were doing. They they, they were they had made the Lord's Supper into a blasphemous or, orgy, and and so Paul is is letting them know there are literally people that God has killed. That's what that's saying, because they took the Lord's Supper um, in a blasphemous way. And so he's he's just saying, that's that's wrong, stop it. Um, This is a symbol of Christ's sacrifice for you, and you're remembering the body and the blood of the Savior. And so you, you approach that time with reverence because God is holy. He's a holy God. And, and yet the scripture is clear. When you look at all the scripture, all it's saying is just clear your conscience. None of us are perfect. There's nobody that's ever gone to the communion table who hasn't sinned. That's the point of the gospel. Praise the Lord. As lost, helpless, hopeless sinners, Christ paid it all. Amen? And all to him we owe. But, but it's a time of cleansing. We're called to holiness. And so as we're called to holiness today, uh, when we enter with the Lord's Supper, are we doing the Lord's Supper tonight? We're not doing the Lord's Supper tonight. Okay. We're doing a baptism tonight? That's next week. We're doing the choirs tonight. Yeah, I've been out of touch. Can you tell? Um, But we're called to holiness, and, and we should. We should take it seriously and lord brings to our mind sins then we confess those sins and, and and we repent what does repent mean we turn around we ask for forgiveness it's not that it's a new forgiveness it's not a forgiveness like if i don't ask for forgiveness i lose my salvation if i'm born again i'm in the body of christ pastor farrell has laid that out so beautifully over the last three months i i can't lose what he was the one that gave but I can lose that relationship from the standpoint of a close fellowship with him. Sort of like you and I are close friends. And then all of a sudden I say some unloving words to you. Okay, and so that sort of breaks the fellowship. But we're still brothers in Christ. And so we need to mend that relationship. I need to go back and I need to say I shouldn't have said those words. I was wrong. I sure surely I hurt you by saying that. Would you please forgive me? And you forgive me, and the fellowship is restored. That's a picture of what 1 John 1, 9 is saying to us, what we should always be doing, but at the Lord's Supper time, it's a special time of you coming together and reflecting on your life and clearing your conscience and, and then enjoying the Lord's Supper. That's the point. And being able to focus on Praise the Lord. Jesus paid it all. Well, in a greater way, that's what the Zachariah is doing here. He's cleansing himself because he's going to go in. And in that time, the presence of God dwelled in the Holy of Holies. And many times they even tied a rope around the priest's ankle that would go in. Because if he wasn't holy and God decided to kill him, nobody else would want to go in and drag him out. Uh, and so they would be able to drag him out of the Holy of Holies. And so he went in with his conscience clear, okay? Um, any high priest would do that. And so you're going in with a little bit of fear of the Lord, right? And you're going you're gonna to go in and confess the sins of the people. And when you walk through the curtain, there's the angel. How many of you have seen an angel? I know I haven't. And so it, 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 it of course, um, struck fear uh, in him. And, and that, that's what's going on here. He's, he's troubled. And when he sees the angel, fear gripped him it gripped him hard. Uh-oh. Is this is this it? Is there something I didn't confess? What's wrong? What, what did I do here? That would be a very normal thing to think. And so the angel again. But the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid." All the way through all the Christmas narratives, continuously the angels are letting God's people know, "You don't need to be afraid." The incarnation is about God coming because man was condemned. Man is condemned. But God has sent a Redeemer who seeks and saves those that are lost. And you don't have to be afraid anymore. And that's one of the beautiful messages of Christmas. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petitions have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you will give him the name John. That would be very unusual. So there was going to be obedience here that would be necessary. He would name his son after himself. He would name your son John. The angel says, no, you name the son John. And you will have joy and gladness And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Please note, he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. This is not the Lord. This is going to be John the Baptist. This is going to be the forerunner of the Lord as predicted by the scriptures. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will drink no wine or liquor. He will not be filled or he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he is yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many to the sons of Israel back to the Lord, to their God. For he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the disobedient up to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I guess that's one of the reasons that uh, I I do Advent readings. Uh, I spend concentrated time in the Christmas narratives. Um, I want to prepare my heart for the coming of the Lord. Yes, by his grace, he's already saved me, but just going through that whole process again so that Christmas doesn't become just about presents and parties. It's very easy for Christmas to become just about presents and parties and stuff isn't it? I mean it, it, it's easy, it's, it's continuous and I'm not against presents and parties and stuff but there's something very wrong with it when that steals our fascination and our awe for our holy God who made a way for us and this story is revealing how he did that even as he, he said that he would Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Think about that for a minute. Zechariah is talking to Gabriel, and Gabriel declares, I stand in the presence of God. Oftentimes in the scriptures, the angels are referred to as what kind of angels? Holy angels. Because nobody is in the presence of God that's not holy. That's why Satan and those that rebelled were thrown out of heaven. And it's the same reason that that you and I need a savior because without the blood of Jesus Christ, Without us being reconciled to God through the blood of his cross, we are not holy. But the Lord has put his righteous robes on us so that while we know we're not holy, we're treated as as holy. And Gabriel, he stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you to bring you the good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their power. And so we see this angel um, from God, not just any angel, Gabriel, speaking um, here and making this uh, announcement. Again, relatively rare we don't look for angels and we don't look for signs. All of this happened before the canon was closed. And God still was revealing himself. When his son comes, we could go to Hebrews chapter 1, his His son is the complete revelation and the complete manifestation of God. God is now revealed and the rest of the scripture will be written and the canon will be closed and we look for God now not through angels and prophecies and all the rest. We look for God now in the word, but they didn't have the word yet. They didn't have the Bible yet. And God is sending an angel to speak to them. Look at uh, my Bible flipped the page to verse 26. What time is it? Oh man, we're almost out of time. Okay. And now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged um, to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendant of David and the virgin's name was Mary and coming in he said to her greeting favored one the Lord is with you and she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was and the angel said to her do not be afraid Again, the the angel could see that, that she was afraid. It would be a frightening thing for any of us. This is the same Gabriel. Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Notice in both of these births, Gabriel named, told both people what the name was to be. John. In Jesus. And of course there's purpose in, in all of that. He goes on to say, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High, or the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. It's going to be the Messiah, the fulfillment, the greater, the greater David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Logical question. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even now your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, which was called barren, is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed. May we be people that, ask in faith um, and our prayer be Lord may it be done to me according to your word but we're not afraid to ask ask for the impossible um, according to your your word and um, be reminded I think all of us right now could think of things that would seem to us that are impossible and uh, pray pray to the Lord May it be done according to your word, according to your glory, in a glorious way that would bring you all the honor, that it would be very, very clear that the answer is from you and for you and by you. But, Lord, please, if it be your will, do that. We should not be um, afraid uh, to pray that. Uh, The wonderful stories of the Christmas narrative. C.S. Lewis in here, you can read it yourself talks about how people make up God in their own mind, um, but, but they are afraid of the real God, the holy God. If, you, if you're not in Christ, you should be afraid. If you're not in Christ this morning, it should be the most fearful thing that you could ever ponder what it would be like to stand before God and give an account for your life, not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But today can be the day of salvation. Jesus has come. He's made the gospel clear. You'll hear it again in the in the next hour. You you heard it even as we we sang the song this morning, and um, it's wonderful good news. You can't disconnect Christmas and in the incarnation, the infleshing of God. You can't disconnect that from from the cross and the death burial and resurrection of god and that is the story of the redemptive plan that was needed because we are lost and dead and trespasses of sin without the savior but the savior came he came for you and he came for me i pray you know that that god personally you see the prayer there it says dear savior thank you for dying on the cross for sinners like me May the days of Advent draw us closer to you. May it be that your love for me would melt all of my fears of people, of pain, of circumstances, of future, of anything that looms larger than it should. And may I rejoice that you are my Messiah and my Lord. You have that other devotional? You can can read through it. Maybe we'll take a quick look at it last week, but it talks about the um, history of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And um, it's a great song, and I didn't even know that um, after Wesley, uh, Charles Wesley wrote it, that George Whitfield added to it or changed it. I found that to be very interesting, and you can, you can read all that. I don't have to take time to read it here. Um, We're going to come back and just look a little bit more at angels and then talk about Christmas light next week. Uh, God bless you. You are dismissed.